Hello everyone, welcome to a very special bonus episode of Uncanny Tracks where we take a break from the two great 90s space station shows to talk about Roland Emmerich's latest cinematic masterpiece now streaming on Hobo Max. That is Moonfall, 2022's Moonfall. Yeah, Moonfall. So we aren't going to recap this movie scene for scene or anything, but we are going to hit like the major plot points of the film. So it's spoilers if you haven't watched this on HBO Max. Uh, Honestly, at this point, I would say if you want some really dumb entertainment and you have two hours on your hands, go watch it. Two and a half. Two and a half hours. Two and a half hours on your hands. Go watch it. It's 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 not bad. It's 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 okay. <laughs> yeah, I should say uh, the the guy really concerned about recognizing Roland Emmerich's autorial genius. That's me. That's Bob and Cascadia. The guy really concerned about you not spoiling yourself on Moonfall is Matt in the Southland. <laughs> How the hell are you doing tonight, Matt? Doing pretty well, Bob. I, I survived the film. Would you say you're stronger for the experience, Matt? Probably. I had to really pay close attention to this movie as I was watching it because. I don't know if if this is Roland Emmerich's usual style, but man, they cut between scenes, characters, and everything. Every 10 seconds, something else was happening. All the way to the end of the film. <laughs> like, there's a lot going on. What was your familiarity with Roland Emmerich before this movie, Matt? Primarily Independence Day. Uh, yeah, no. And then uh, the, Godzilla mo- the Godzilla movie. That was it. Yeah. I've seen a couple more. I will say, I wouldn't call myself a Roland Emmerich fan, but I really do appreciate the fact that he's the most conspiracy theorist of any major director. And uh, although I've not seen the movies, I just really appreciate the fact that he's like made movies about global warming being a hoax and, you know, uh, William Shakespeare not being the author of the William Shakespeare plays. Like, I don't <laughs> believe those conspiracy theories, but I'm just glad somebody's out there making movies about them. Thank you, Roland, for what you do. Yeah, thank you for your service, sir. All right, so Matt, what was the last thing you remembered seeing Halle Berry in? Yeah, with Halle Berry being the primary star in this film, uh, I was surprised to see that this was the film she's kind of making a return in. She hasn't been in a lot since uh, Days of Future Past. I get the feeling she didn't have many other options. Yeah, she was in Days of Future Past. Yeah, but she's just like in the end of that, right? Yeah, she just shows up for like a really small part of Storm and shoots some lightning. But the most recent thing I actually read about her was that in her first film role, which was Spike Lee's Jungle Fever, she she played a crack hoe named Vivian. And to prepare for the role, she didn't shower for two straight weeks, which I found absolutely disgusting. Hey man, method acting is important. And, uh, you know, Jungle Fever is actually a very good movie. Yeah, I've, I've never actually seen it. Early Spike Lee is great, man. Yeah. Late late Spike Lee, a little bit more hit or miss, but early Spike Lee is great. But uh, I also remember her from a bunch of other movies. She was in Catwoman, Die Another Day, Monsters Ball, Swordfish, and the forgettable Flintstones movie where she tried to seduce John Goodman's Fred. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I never never forget that. <laughs> she did. Uh, she did win the Oscar for Monsters Ball, didn't she? Yeah. Nice. Nice. I guess you had a lot of you had a lot of blow by blow uh, for this movie we needed to cover. Yeah, I'm just gonna start off. Bob, the film opens up with these astronauts in space doing astronaut shit, and uh, they're <laughs> they're listening to Toto's uh, Africa. Did you know yes. it was "Bless the Rains" in Toto's Africa? I, I did, but I I could understand someone being confused. Yeah, and do you think astronauts really fuck around like that in space, Bob? I would hope so. I mean, man, you gotta have some enjoyment in your life. I mean, I guess it's just like any other job, but to me, I've always thought they've been like super like professional and never do anything weird. But then I'm thinking, well, most people see other professions as that. So, 
Uh, well, anyway, w- one of the astronauts dies from this uh, these scary robot tentacle black things, whatever. And then 10 years go by. And we're introduced to John Bradley's character, who is a conspiracy theorist. He works in a, uh, a restaurant or a fast food restaurant with a jackass for a boss. Do you ever have, you ever have a workplace like that, Bob? Oh, I have, Matt. I have. I I worked for a French woman uh, once. It was the worst thing. It was the worst thing ever. Yeah, he was an asshole. But anyway, he, he's he's a conspiracy theorist. Works in a fast food place. He has a mom who uh, has Alzheimer's or dementia or something. It's not really. They don't really go into detail about it. But uh, it did take me a little while, Bob, to realize that the uh, lovable Night Watchman from Game of Thrones, Sam Tarly, that that's that's John Bradley. I didn't realize this. Really, we because we realized it like straight up. That was and just referred to him as Tarly for the rest of the movie. Yeah, it, it threw um, me. It threw me for a loop for a minute, and I was like, "Oh, no! I hate I hate him on Game of Thrones. I hate him here. Oh God, he's the worst." Well, we also find out, Bob. That we'll call him. We'll call him Tarly from this point forward, so that you're familiar. Uh, Tarly you. has a cat, and his name is Fuzz Aldrin. Why is Fuzz Aldrin the best cat name we've never thought of, Bob? I mean, it's a great cat name, but I just really don't want to give Tarly anything, Matt. So I'm, re- I'm really in, a, I'm really in a, a dilemma here. You know, I wrote down this line as if it was self-evident who said it, and now I don't remember who said it, but I still feel like this line says a lot about the film, and that is, the damn moon is hollow, Matt. Yeah, but Tarly said that. Oh, okay. Well, that was, he was when he's talking to the, the children in the museum. The <laughs> damn moon is hollow. So there's like a mil- there's another character in this movie, <laughs> What's- and I can't remember his name, but he's like the main character. What is the dude's name, Bob? <laughs> oh God, I shit. He's a he's a semi famous actor who's also slumming it. Uh, yeah, he, uh, was, he he was so forgettable that I didn't put him in the notes once. Uh, Patrick Wilson is that Patrick Wilson? We'll just call okay, him Patrick Wilson. Yeah, we'll just call him Patrick Wilson. Anyway, Patrick Wilson, he. Uh, He's he was a bit of a hot shot. He did a bunch of dumb shit with like he landed a space shuttle the wrong way or some shit. And then he also he takes the blame for the guy that died in space from the aliens. He and Sam Tarly got to get together somehow. And Tarly comes up with this idea. He finds out this this guy is going to give a presentation at a museum. So Tarly shows up at the museum with his crackpot theories. That's about that's how they meet. And w- wouldn't you know it, Matt? Uh, Tarly's uh, crackpot theories are correct, and the damn moon is hollow. Yeah, and then they say, put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> hey, Wasn't that funny, Bob? Yeah, yeah. Didn't Did, you laugh out of... loud when that when that was said? I, I might have I might have giggled. You might have giggled a little bit. So I have a, I have a question for you. My my friends and I are uh, a concerted opinion that Hollywood's continual underuse of Michael Pena is a great great crime. He plays like uh, the stepfather to Patrick Wilson's kids in this uh, movie. And I just wanted to, do you share our opinion that Michael Pena is a, is an acting genius and, you know, needs to be leading these movies, not just playing the friendly uh, stepfather in them. He really should be. And I feel like his whole arc in the story was just tacked on very much. So yeah, he very reminds me so. of John Leguizamo. I don't know if you remember him from the nineties. Oh, I, of course I remember John Leguizamo. Yeah, How he, could I forget? There were a lot of times I think that Michael Pena is just like older John Leguizamo, which, I mean, yeah, that's probably yeah, can... not a, that sounds kind of bad, but they are very similar looking. It, it, racist, but plausible. <laughs> Do you know it's not? <laughs> there we go again. Damn. <laughs> so as you can already tell, Bob, there's a lot going on already in this film, and we're only like 10 minutes in. We've got stepdads, we've got a dude, we, we've got astronauts, aliens, three main characters. We learn about 
Halle Berry's kid, Halle Berry's kid's nanny. There's, it's they shove so much in this in the first ten minutes. I, 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 I hope we all had fun learning about how the damn moon is hollow. Yeah. But the real lesson of this movie is that family life is complicated in this complex, ever-changing modern world. That's the real lesson of this movie. Yeah. I mean, and they immediately send up a probe to find out what's wrong. And, mm-hmm. like, so we know what the... We already know, like, what's going on and what's happening within the first ten minutes with all these interconnected characters that I really don't care about at this point. <laughs> you know, I have ADD, but this is a bit much. Like even especially for a two and a half hour film, so I'm sitting here. I like I kept hitting the the pause button to see how how like how far in we were, and I was like, whoa, we're we're not even like 15 minutes in, and I've already have like the whole plot laid out in front of me. Yeah, man, Emmerich don't waste time. He yeah. don't waste time. We the main idea though we get to is that we get this crackpot theory that the moon is this mega structure that's powered by a star. Can you please tell me, Bob, that this is not something that people actually believe? I, you know, I don't think it's a major conspiracy theory because I think I'm pretty up on the major conspiracy theories. I'm not sure that it isn't something people believe, but I don't, I don't think it's like up there with like lizard people or QAnon or stuff like that. I don't, I don't think it's that intense, but it, it, maybe it's something people believe. I mean, there are people to believe we didn't go to the moon. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. a major one. Yeah. 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 Anyway, it just it, it blew my mind. But then then we find out, Bob, that through learning about some kind of like attacks, like we get to see these weird astronauts get their helmets bashed in by matrix tentacle aliens of some sort. That uh that in some way that kind of maybe betrays the premise because it's like, you know, I can get you with you on the moon falling and I can get with you on the moon being hollow, but I don't know, the the, the AI tentacle aliens was a bit much. Come on, Bob. AI tentacles versus hollow moon spaceships. <laughs> it's amazing. So, uh, Matt, I, I really enjoyed the portrayal of the tides being affected by the moon getting close to the Earth in this movie, but it sounds like you had some issues. Yeah, Bob, I did. As the moon is falling, I'm no scientist, but I'm going to just go out on a limb and say that the tides would be more like a tsunami than the hurricane flooding we see in this film. <laughs> it's not just going to come up to your waist. You're not going to be able to take a nap in a hotel like they did, <laughs> like with their with their bathrobes. Remember that scene? It's like, like the moon. The moon is still circling as it's falling, Matt. So as it moves off, the tsunami gets less worse. That's how it works. Oh, is is that how it works, Bob? It's so science. you can tell me that this that the that the water's only going to come up to about about four feet, right? Not. Well, I'm just. I'm just. I'm just. I'm going to sit here and tell you that if Neil deGrasse Tyson told us that Interstellar was a realistic depiction of space travel. I can sit here and tell you that this is a realistic depiction of the falling. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) You got pwned. Halle Berry's character, through some sort of event, I forget, becomes the director of NASA (laughs) and gets what's called Q clearance. And I'm sure that that, that was intentional. Right, Bob? That's Well, I mean... Q clearance is a real thing, right? That is like what they call top secret clearance. But I, the fact that they pointedly said it was Q clearance, I, I have to believe that Roland Emmerich was uh, throwing some red meat to the QAnon people. I just have to believe that. So Halle Berry is tasked with figuring out how she can fix this problem of putting the moon back where it needs to be. And uh, as the shit is going down, everybody decides they need to go to Colorado because of the the higher elevation, it's it's I guess is what they were going for, right? Because of the moon flooding, Matt. Like, 
you know, you were you were worried that the flooding would only get up to your waist, but no, clearly going to get up just to the base of the Colorado Rockies. So let's just let's go to the this, the highest the highest point in America. Let's go up to the, the Colorado Rockies. Okay, and yeah, it, yeah. everybody flo- everybody goes there, but you only see a, like a couple of people actually show up. So well, Matt, I mean, most most people just die in this movie. That's the kind of dark, uh, depressing underside. Yeah, I'm pretty sure billions died. Like, I mean, billions. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Hallie's trying to come up with an idea how to fix all this. Her son comes up and has a toy space shuttle. And, oh, we get epiphany number one, Bob. We could use the space shuttle. <laughs> got it. I was like, no shuttle. shit. Your spaceship <laughs> to get to space. <laughs> hey, man. Sometimes you need the wisdom of a child to see what's blindingly obvious. Somehow, Tarly and Wilson end up in front of Halle Berry. There's stuff that happens. And we find out that Tarly's character has high anxiety. And I will say that oh, quite. the anxiety over the mops is legit. Like, that's what I'm <laughs> like if I don't take my meds. <laughs> like, there's a scene where he mentions that he, like, lost two mops as a janitor or something. And, yeah, it, it, it's legit. It, that That's real well, anxiety. I, I think it was he lost two mops while pretending to be a janitor. To steal stuff from a NASA, I thought maybe maybe I misremember. I, I think yeah. Well, it, it, I'm sure it was in the first like it was there was a five second scene about it somewhere. But man, this this movie's crazy at the pace. Matt, were you disappointed that they didn't queue up Aerosmith on the soundtrack for this movie? Yeah, Bob, this film is Armageddon at this point. It legit <laughs> is Armageddon. But with the moon inside of an asteroid, it's much cooler. Okay, I'll give you that. Yet yeah, is much cooler because that Aerosmith song—they <laughs> played the hell out of that song, and it was—it was okay for like the first thirty times you hear it, and then after that, it's no. the thirty-fifth time. Dear yeah, God. yeah, you're tired of hearing it. That was that was the '90s. They played the same song over and over again on the radio. <laughs> um, I have to say the pace of this film too, Bob. Cash is already worthless. Like within the first like th- day or two of of the moon falling. Indeed. Yeah, I just. So we're hit with, uh, they, they do make it into space, Bob. Mm-hmm. They get up there with their ship. And we have epiphany number two. Fly the yes. shuttle with only two engines, and the gravity will pull it the rest of the way. And even though our engineer is dead, we can, the guy with IBS, Tarly, we'll just put him on the shuttle with us. Sound good to you? Yeah, man. Yeah. You're going yeah. to use the moon's gravity to escape the Earth's gravity, dog. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Look at that epiphany. Yeah. Uh, and then we're greeted with the best part ever, Bob. Gravity waves. Yeah, it was pretty entertaining. <laughs> just just the random scenes where gravity uh, ceases to function. Very cool. Very cool. Really, really big-ass waves. These are the tsunami waves I was talking about earlier, but they're just going to drive away from those. <laughs> yeah. There's a scene, literally, where a giant-ass wave is coming toward them, and they're like, we need to get in the car. And they get in the car, and I want you to let you know, Bob, this is an advertisement for Lexus. This movie is like part advertisement for Lexus. Look, Matt, the the budget for the gravity wave scenes doesn't pay for itself. you yeah. got to get the product placement in there. $140 million is how much it costs to make this film, Bob. $140 million. Hey, man, I'm glad people are still going hungry. It was worth it to see this <laughs> But anyway, they get into space, and you think much of scientists would have, like, thought about the issues of flying through debris in a craft that isn't very maneuverable, like the space shuttle. You know, so the top of the space shuttle gets torn off and all this other crap, and they're, like, hitting all the rocks. And, of course, a scene later, uh, he ejects a smaller spacecraft <laughs> into space. 
<laughs> Why did they just take the smaller damn craft up there and then they would have had the engine problem? It's so stupid. Like, not the lander, the little space thing that he was flying across. It was like a little, it was a, it was a compact spaceship. I just have a lot to argue about here, Bob, with this film. But we do move on to epiphany number three, where we find out that the aliens are seeking out organic matter in an electronic environment. Was that a cool thing for you, Bob? Uh, not not really, but I I did enjoy, I did sort of enjoy the uh, the lazy puzzling through the plot of the movie. It was it was somewhat entertaining. Well, that's the reason they had to smash their phones and smash every other piece of electronical equipment they have in the spaceship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Including I mean, it, the detonator just... button for their EMP. Oh, I did forget to mention that that part of the film. There's this like uh, EMP generator that's going to take out the uh, robots. Now, if this sounds familiar, folks, that's because this is the exact same shit that happened in the third Matrix movie. <laughs> oh, really? Like, point by point. How do, you, they, how do you remember that that well? They go to the machine planet, Bob, and it, they got EMPs. Oh, wow. EMPs are all, yeah, it's the same shit. I knew the tentacle aliens was a Matrix reference, but I didn't realize that they lifted the EMP thing. Huh. Oh yeah, the yeah. the whole all their ships were like that. They had to do an EMP generator. They had to go silent to, as the Matrix machines or whatever were coming after their ship. They would pop the EMP generator and it would kill them. It's the same idea, same concept. Leave it to Roland Emmerich to steal from the worst Matrix movie. Well, and on top of that too, Roland Emmerich decided to include two looter subplots, looter subplots hey, that man. are very unnecessary. It's important to keep us grounded with what's going on on the world as the moon is falling towards us and cash is worthless. Yeah, the moon's falling towards us, cash is worthless, but there's looters everywhere. Other characters that are remaining on Earth who I have absolutely zero interest in, including like Sonny is one of them, I think, who yes, you know, yes. gets arrested Patrick at the beginning and has his, yeah. yeah, that guy, yeah, he, he gets held up like twice in the span of 10 minutes. <laughs> like, Look, man, I got news for you. If the moon starts falling, I start looting. Them's the rules. Okay. But do you really have to hold people up, though? I mean, can you just take yes. take shit and go on? Well, this all this looting subplot, though, does lead to a car chase where you have a Lexus that has to jump something, and they change, <laughs> and the character switches over from eco mode to sports mode, and they made sure to show it in the film. <laughs> <laughs> and the looters go, "We gotta catch him. We need that oxygen." <laughs> Very important. Very classic important. line. They finally get inside the moon. I got DS9 emissary vibes from the construct at first when they're talking to Wilson. Well, I mean, like like uh like the wormhole mat, the moon is apparently an artificial creation. So, you know, why yeah. not? Why not? Yeah. But I also got architect vibes. Remember that from the second Matrix movie? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Where there's no, a construct. I, I I tried to forget it, honestly. Jeez. A lot, of, a lot of Matrix here. I will say this, though. It also also got vibes. You remember Jodie Foster's contact that we saw when we were kids? Because you would you didn't want to see Men in Black. I mean, Men in Black did suck, too. But I think that's always the thing. Like, when you're doing an alien movie, you just got to go, like, Law of Least Resistance and, like, show the alien as, like, someone who's emotionally important to the character. That's just, it's just what you do. You know, in Contact, it's Jodie Foster's dad. Here, it's Patrick Wilson's stepson. Or not stepson, Patrick Wilson's son, son. Well, the the construct gives Wilson all the knowledge he needs about our previous civilization or ancestors who had to uh, abandon Earth. Do you, do you get it, Matt? They're aliens, but they're us. Yeah, they're and fly fly a moon. They escaped in a moon. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow, 
uh, and they mentioned that these nanotech, the, the nanotech AI that went rogue on them, which is just like the Matrix. This is a damn prequel to the Matrix, Bob. That's what this really is. I'm serious. Like you could yeah. fit this film before the first Matrix, and it would make sense. Well, basically, the, this film is QAnon, but it shares the idea with the Matrix that what if the what if the real conspiracy, what if the real cabal was artificial intelligence? Well, now that Wilson is the one who can do shit, like you know, just like Keanu Reeves' character, uh, he has these like alien powers, and he can like open doors and shit on the moon and cause all the other spaceships that are there to shoot their lasers at the ro- at the uh, the AI nanotech tentacle things. But he does sound like a crackpot when he's talking because the yeah. whole theory is, is insane. Yeah. I mean, that's the sort of the idea of the movie, right? Is it goes from Tarly being the crackpot to Patrick Wilson being the crackpot. And it bothers me a little bit, Bob, because with the sappy ending of Tarly uh, sacrificing himself, I worry that conspiracists are going to feel validated. Hey, man, I also believe that conspiracy theorists should live on as uh, AI simulations inside the moon. But don't worry, Bob, because this film does give us something that I knew we needed to have. You know, with this gravity thing, I really needed a big, long jump in low gravity, and we got it. So thank you for throwing that in there at the end. Yeah. So, Matt, are you excited for the setup for the sequel with Tarly in the Moon? No, Bob. I'm really not. You're not going to watch the sequel, Matt? No, I I don't think I will, unless you make me for this podcast. Do you think they're actually going to make the sequel? No, I think they threw that in there just in case. Bob, the, the film only made $10 million on its $140 million budget. I mean, they're not going anywhere with this. <laughs> Sorry, it's just not going anywhere. I mean, apparently the original plan was for a trilogy. They probably want their own little universe here of crazy people. And Who's the guy that does Scientology? That's uh... that's Hubbard. Yeah, this kind of reminds me of like his shit. Like They were trying to like create their own crackpot like thing for how Earth really An- could ancestral be. Ancestral aliens. And like yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Look, man, I'm just gonna I'm gonna lay it out for you. You you've heard about the MCU, right? The Marvel yes. Cinematic Universe. Yes. What if we had a better MCU, the Moon Cinematic Universe? Oh God. Is it better than the the Dark Universe or whatever that shit was that was gonna have the Mummy and the the Universal Aliens? Um, honestly, yes. All right, Universal like, Monsters. Is, excuse me, Universal. I mean, Monsters. this is not a good movie, but it's way better than the Tom Cruise Mummy movie, I would say. So if you're listen, if you're still listening to this, folks, which I hope you are. I know that sounded extremely disjointed, but that's what this movie was. It was like, boom, 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 like nonstop. Matt has an artistic uh, commitment to capturing the feel and flow of the film. Yeah, it was insane. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a ride, is what it is. But <laughs> so not, Matt, a very, not a very fun ride, though. I mean, aw, it's, it's, it's entertaining, but no, I wouldn't say fun. So Matt, who is your favorite character of the movie uh i guess halle berry i mean it's her film i mean really it's more patrick wilson's film but i'm i'm still gonna say it's halle berry's film yeah well certain aspects of like brett of uh tarley's you know are relatable you know others are left field and just make him really annoying so give them that yeah i i did think it was weird and funny how like halle berry was the locus even though like tarley is the conspiracy theorist halle berry is the locus for a lot of the QAnon nods not only the q thing that you mentioned but like she gets mad at the previous director of nasa for lying to the public which felt very much like red meat for QAnon. so i don't know it's just kind of funny that halle berry is you know become the face of moon QAnon, as it were yeah and when it comes to like the minor characters though bob I really don't have a favorite minor character. All the minor characters got on my nerves big time, and I felt like they didn't need to be there. 
even Not Pina's even character Pina. was annoying oh. as hell. Like, I didn't really care for him. He sacrificed himself to save his daughter, man. Yeah. <laughs> but the whole, like, stepdad thing of, like, I was I was on the phone trying to get you out of jail, Sonny. We were going to come back and get you and all this shit. Like, I, I don't care. Like, he was just a bad and character. You, you love the Lexus product placement, and he was essential for that. He was a Lexus dealer, dog. Yeah, I know, Bob. He had to be there for that. He had to have a Lexus dealer, and his cars had to be in pristine condition during a disaster. So I would say that favorite minor character was Donald Sutherland. I just thought it was perfect symmetry. In JFK in 1991, Donald Sutherland explains to us the JFK assassination. In Moonfall in 2022, Donald Sutherland explains to us that the moon is hollow. There's a perfect symmetry there. Now his his character was the guy who was in the wheelchair? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. There's one scene, I, I, I guess I left that out of the thousands of scenes we had to go through, but there's one scene where we find out they've been hiding information about the uh, aliens, and you know, Donald Sutherland's the one who has to keeps up with the archives. Yes, yes, he's the, he's the one who Q-pills Halle Berry on the moon. So who was your least favorite uh, character this uh, movie, Matt? Wilson's son, known as Sonny, for being a dick in front of NASA and then getting pissed because his stepdad went to the mountains without him. Couldn't stand yeah. that guy. That, that that whole plot could have gone away. And then Barry's military ex-husband sucked too. Yeah. See, everybody was connected in this film. Like you got this like five-star general, Barry's the director of NASA. These are like everybody's got a really cool job except for Tarly, who's just a janitor. He's not a janitor, he's a pastrami fast food place. Oh, that's right. He just pretends to be a janitor to spy <laughs> on people. Does this so, movie sound great, folks? Keep going. <laughs> I, I agree with you that Sonny's bad, and I agree. I liked the guy playing Barry's ex-husband, but they didn't give him anything worthwhile to do. I, I don't know. I do have to say, I think I hate Tarly from Thrones so much that uh, I would just, uh, I would give it to him to be the worst character of the uh, of the movie, especially when he actually asked what would Elon do. Like, I nearly cut myself when he did that. Yeah, and there's also a very specific scene I don't like him either. It's I hate the scene where he says that he was almost a janitor at NASA, and then proceeds to do like science stuff on the board that the scientists didn't realize before, that the actual NASA scientists didn't realize before. <laughs> I hate those kind of scenes. So what was your favorite visual of the movie, Matt? Uh, when they're flying inside the moon, because you know Tarly's probably filling his pants with shit as, he, as they do it. Nice, nice. But they don't, <laughs> there's no payoff for the whole IBS joke. Like there's none. They never go back to it or reference it. <laughs> oh man so for me it would be the montage of the moon when it first pops up in the sky and the tides get crazy i thought that was pretty funny yeah half this film is just like people playing peekaboo with the moon so get That's ready great. good night moon <laughs> so what was your favorite piece of action matt um when they're flying around monopolis to lure out the machine you know when he's like going oh, high nice. speed good, good. Good term, Monopolis. Monopolis. Why'd you save that one so late? That was great. I will say that the visuals of gravity failing were deeply stupid, but very funny. There's no science behind that, folks, I don't think. So please don't don't try to. Any any regrets you want to lay on us about this movie, Matt? So this was a very. This was a. This was entertaining and a dumb disaster film. I really wish it was a little shorter and that they cut most of the scenes that didn't involve, like, the actual people that are going to space. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah it, it definitely could have been shorter my my regret is i just wish it had gone even deeper into conspiracy theories like i said emmerich has made movies denying climate change and shakespeare's authorship and i wanted more of that energy in this movie so matt to as a kind of palate cleanser uh what's your favorite disaster movie you ever watch dante's peak never did never did yeah it's terrible but 
<laughs> most most disaster films aren't that great, Bob. So I, I, that's just one I remember. And it, it was I, an okay uh, film back in the day. So we'll just say that. Okay. Stars Pierce Brosnan. I, <laughs> I highly recommend the Swedish sci-fi film, Inara. I think it's a great disaster film. So, Matt, it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be a bonus episode if I didn't make you rank something. Rank your Roland Emmerich movies for the listeners. Well, I'm only ranking the ones I've seen, so I'm going to say Stargate's number one. All right. Independence Day. All right. Moonfall. All right. And that shitty 1998 Godzilla film. Look, that is not a good Godzilla movie. It's still better than any other American Godzilla movie ever made. Okay. Have you seen The Patriot? You've not seen Mel Gibson and The Patriot? Oh, The Patriot. Uh, yes, I have seen that. I'm sorry. I don't realize where, that. Where, where would you put Patriot? We would put Patriot Patriot after Moonfall before Godzilla. Important. Important. So it has been added. There you go. So. Great. Great. So, yeah, I would go fairly similarly, but I would go Stargate, Universal Soldier, Moonfall, Godzilla, Independence Day, Patriot. Okay, help me out here. Universal Soldier. I, I know the name of it. Who does that star? Uh, man, it's been a long time. I believe it's Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I knew it had some action star in it. That was the main thing, the main attraction for that. I, I haven't seen it, though. The weird thing about the Universal Soldier film franchise, um, the original, it's fine. It's not that great. Um, and then uh, the first two sequels, not that great. But I believe it's the, f- let me see, I believe it's the fourth and the fifth Universal Soldiers are the good ones. Jesus Christ, that's a lot of Universal Soldier films. Yeah. That needs a reboot, guys. We need a reboot, <laughs> remake. Come on, let's go. <laughs> okay, so there's there's Universal Soldier. There's two direct-to-TV movies, Universal Soldiers 2 and 3. Then there's a theatrical sequel, Universal Soldier of the Return, where Van Damme comes back. And um, that ignores the two TV movies. And then there are two other sequels. So I guess these would be five and six, although they're not numbered. Regeneration and Day of Reckoning. And that's the good stuff. They ignore the return and just go back to the yeah, sequels to the original movie. Yeah, that's a lot like a RoboCop. Same kind of idea, the way they set those up. Everybody ignores, ignores the third. <laughs> but there were a bunch of TV shows in between, so they, they count the TV shows. I mean, it is pretty wild that, like, so, I mean, Roland Emmerich has, like, launched two, you know, kind of sci-fi franchises that have endured, and, you know, he's trying to, he tried to do it with Moonfall. It doesn't look like Moonfall will be one that endures, but he, 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 you know, like, Universal Soldier and Stargate are, like, still in development for more stuff, so it's kind of, it's kind of funny. He, I guess in a way you'd have to say he's, like, our most prolific sci-fi director, our most prolific sci-fi franchise director. Moonfall's not going anywhere, guys, so don't get excited for a sequel. Don't worry, Matt. When they do the Universal Soldier sequel, I'll make you watch it. Awesome. Can't wait. <laughs> oh, man. I, I love it when your voice gets that kind of, like, beaten down, sad tone to it. All right. Well, this has been a very random episode of uh, Uncanny Trap Recover Moonfall. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening.